Hey everyone, welcome to the Communication Coach Podcast, where I'm going to help you to create successful change through powerful and honest conversations. I am your host, Nikki Perfect. Hi everybody and welcome to episode 19, How to Use Influence in Everyday Life Part 2. Now this moves on from episode 18 where we talked about Robert Cialdini and his laws of influence and this podcast is just going to follow on from that and today we're going to talk about social proof and liking which are another two of Robert Cialdini's laws of influence and we're going to look at how they are used currently and how we can use them ourselves in everyday life and everyday communication and I'm just going to give you some of my thoughts and feelings and beliefs around what I see on Facebook and YouTube I'm going to talk a little bit about suicide today and the instance in Bridge End in Wales where there was a lot of teenagers that committed suicide. I'm going to talk to you about a book called Yes and also something called the Milgram Experiment which some of you may have heard. But also when we look at social proof and liking how this has a big impact and an influence on our lives and on our teenagers' lives, especially teenagers because they start to become more open to suggestion from other people. So just before we go into social proofing and liking, I just want to talk about values and beliefs. Now I've talked a lot I've talked I've spoken a lot about how values and beliefs affect all of our lives and how we are driven by them. And I was doing a workshop yesterday for some mums around family communication and the difficulties that we have in bringing children up, not just bringing the children up, but then communicating with uh, the other influencer in that child's lives, whether they be grandparents, teachers, uh, the other parent, the ex-partner, a carer, whoever it might be. It's sometimes difficult to align with another person who has the same values and beliefs to bring your children up around that. And we were talking about the three stages of values, which I think are relevant here, so I'm going to share them with you. But there's a guy called Morris Massey who's done some lots of research over children and how they get their values and beliefs. And he's broken it down into three different sections. The first one is between the age of 0 to 7. Now, I've attended a lot of personal development uh, classes and over the years and often the instructor says you know you get a lot of your own self-belief between the age of naught to seven so if somebody said something to you before the age of seven that was detrimental it will stick in your mind and you'll remember it and I was never sure where this came from and it actually comes from this values and beliefs section because between the age of naught and seven you are like a little sponge you're like a little scientist going round picking up lots and lots and lots of information and you test that information to see if it's true which is why children often ask the question why a lot because they want to make sure that the first answer that they got matches the other answers that they get so they're just assessing you and assessing the situation and working it all out for themselves like sponges so they get all their information from their immediate surroundings so you as the parent are the big influencer probably at that stage or you as the carer or you um, as the grandparent whoever is in that child's life on a regular basis 
during that period of time will have a big influence and they'll soak up all that information and get lots of learning done between the ages of naught to seven. The human brain is amazing and what it can pick up and how quickly children can learn, you know, how they can learn to walk and learn to pick up things and all the senses and all the sen- uh, all the um, words that they're starting to hear and develop and, and teaching children different languages. It all, all happens between the age of 0 to 7. Then between the age of 8 to 12, they start to get influenced by outside forces. So they're at school. They start to believe more at school. I don't know if you've got any children in your life where you can relate to this, but when certainly when Meg comes back to school and and she shows me some homework and I go to help her with it, she says, no, that's not the way. That's not, that's not what I've been taught to do. That's not the right way, Nick. I'm like, okay. So, you know, teachers have a big influence on children around teaching them lots of different things. Now, I could go off on a whole another podcast on whether they're just being taught to take exams and to have an exam basis, but I'll save that for another podcast and everybody will have their own opinion around that. But they are taught in a specific way and teachers, the purpose of this is that teachers have a big influence on them. And so do their classmates. Suddenly they start coming home and saying phrases and words that you know you have never taught them in in your household environment. And they're picking that up from other children and not just from other children, but from other children's home environments. So like the older sibling will start to come home from school and, and be using phrases which are then passed on. I can't remember what Meg said the other day and I was like looking at her thinking I've never heard that expression before and then suddenly she's doing it. She's doing this um, dance at the moment. Oh gosh, what's it called? But all the kids all the kids are doing it and she can't stop doing it. Every time she stands still, she does this dance which involves moving your arms and your hips at the same time. It's quite... Certainly wasn't a dance that was around when uh, I was going discotheking, <laughs> which was some time ago, thankfully, because I could never move arms and legs in one movement together. <laughs> anyway, back to social proofing, rapidly back to social proofing. But social proofing is very powerful. And there was an experiment called the Milgram experiment, which you can look up online. It was about taking some normal people and asking them to give other people electric shocks. So they were led to believe that they were um, taking part in a program whereby they were to give electric shocks to other people. And in fact, the electric shocks were, were all fake, but they were turned up. And it was fascinating to see how people reacted, uh, especially when they felt that it was all going beyond a painful scenario so and that you could see people having that conflict of values uh, and fighting with their own personal conscious of, of whether they should do this or or shouldn't do it but because of the way that it was done and because it looked like a genuine experiment and that they were being told they had to do it they was they were still doing it and the whole purpose of the experiment was to see that psychology around how how come people do that? How come people will do something that goes against what they believe to be true? And it's all about social proofing. And it's all about fitting in as well. You know, especially as a kid, it's really important to fit in. 
and when you don't fit in it feels it feels hard and and growing up let's be honest ladies and gents is hard enough as it is so when you don't feel like you fit in and and perhaps you can relate to this I can certainly relate to this I never felt I fit, fitted in for a long time when I was a kid you know I had eczema I felt different because I had eczema I I just never quite found my found my place if that makes sense and it just all felt a bit weird and and certainly I wasn't bullied to an extreme extent certainly not high school you know I went I went to secondary school and basically and I'm using the word basically a lot I've just noticed so I'm going to check myself on that um I went to school and found music and sport and loved it and so I found my place but I smoked because I wanted to fit in and because I wanted to look like part of the gang and I felt I was cool and I wish I had never started smoking because 30 years later I was still doing it and thinking well I need to get rid of this and having a detrimental effect on my health thankfully I have and I've got rid of that for the last 20 years and and social proofing changes as you get older as well as you go through life so we were talking yesterday about you know kids at school and we were talking about how it was smoking in our day and how it is drugs now drugs are a lot more freely available to children and there's that social proof and that social pressure that if all of my friends are doing this then it must be right even if it doesn't feel right and again that fitting in and how do you monitor that and how do you challenge it now we could our, our children are children and we can't change that they are their own unique individuals as much as we want them to be little clones of us <laughs> that's not necessarily going to happen so but we can create an environment where they feel safe to talk about it and i and i that was the message that we talked about yesterday is Yes, sometimes there is no control as a, as a parent because you can't lock your child up for 24 hours a day in a room and hope that they become well-rounded adults. And they are going to be influenced and there is going to be social proofing. And us as adults, we still are the same around social proofing. You know, sellers and advertisers in their adverts on TV, this is what they do to us every single day. That great advert of... Eight out of ten cats prefer, I think it was whiskers, I can't remember. There are obviously other cat foods available just before anybody <laughs> wants to challenge me around the cat food issue. But the point is that it, they're selling you a product based on the fact that eight out of ten other people like the product. And you are more likely to use somebody to come into your house like a plumber. So when I needed a plumber recently, I went on that top rated uh, top rated tradespeople website and on that they show you reviews and comments from other people and it's the same as Amazon Amazon have a lot of reviews if you notice now when you look to buy a product on Amazon that you can see what other people think and, and I don't know if you're like this but I often head straight towards the four stars and above and, and that's important to people now because we can see what other people say about the product. So advertisers will use this to their advantage. And, you know, if your next door neighbor's doing it, then it's okay. And if you are looking for somebody to do work for you, not only will you look on like top rated sites but or trust a trader, but you'll also ask other people. I've noticed in the local village Facebook page that often people are asking for recommendations and because it's built on trust but it's about that social proof again around I'm going to trust you more because a friend of mine 
used you before and they trusted you. So if you are in a business, think about that and think about how you can build that trust and think about how you can get your reviews. If you are a parent, social proofing as well around that. Now, if, if, if kids see you doing something, then that is social proof to them. So if you are a smoker, that, that is social proof to your kid. Now, they often go completely the opposite way and hate it and won't um, take up smoking because you do it. If you are drunk in front of your children, they, they see this. They see all of these things. Now, I'm not passing comment or judgment on any of these. I'm just telling you how it is about how the psychology of the human brain works and that kids will see things and they will social proof it. Now, there's been other studies done more recently into there was some teenage suicides in Bridge End in Wales where a, a teenager committed suicide by jumping off a bridge and then immediately afterwards, over the next three or four months, lo- there were qu- quite a few other teenagers that did the same. And there were lots of theories behind this. And it, was it a cult? And was there a website? Was, you know, were they encouraging each other? And they found through studies that it was social proofing, that other teenagers in the area who had felt the same had seen that one person had done this and that it was okay. If you talk about mental health whilst we're talking about suicide, uh, in in mental health awareness, when you have famous people that come out and openly talk about mental health and say it's okay not to be okay, then that is social proofing. So it gives other people the ability to say, actually, I'm not okay either. Now, when I was working in the police, there is a, a one of our leaders in the police is a guy called John Sutherland who's written a book called uh, Blue, which is about him and his life story and how he ended up having a nervous breakdown. And what that did was that it allowed other police officers who were having similar experiences to go wow somebody else has has publicly stood up and said it's okay not to be okay whilst working in the police and that's how I feel and then it allowed them to go and and seek help so actually social proofing can work in two ways it can either sell you something that perhaps you don't need or it can help you to maybe get help that you do need because you see that other people other people are in the same boat now, if you look on Facebook recently, there's been an advert. It's, it's something about Burger King and how everybody sat by and watched a, a kid being bullied. But if there was no relish on their burger, they immediately went and complained. And the whole purpose was to show that society had kind of lost the plot a little bit and we were more interested in our burger than we were about kids being bullied. Now, I'm going to flip that on its head this is my only opinion, okay, and I get that. But having studied and looked at social proof, this is another social proof aspect. There's a book called Yes, which is all about persuasion. And in it, it talks about a scenario in America whereby a young lady was in a street and she was brutally attacked and she was screaming and screaming and screaming and nobody did anything about it. Well, the perception was that nobody did anything about it. And they were slated, the neighbourhood was slated across American TV. And they did some research around what actually happened and interviewed the people in that neighbourhood because it was a, you know, it was a, it was what you would perceive as a good neighbourhood. They were good, decent, hardworking people. And you would have thought that there would have been a different response. And what actually happened 
was that people looked out the window, they heard the scream, but because nobody else was doing anything about it, they thought it was okay and that somebody else would do something about it if it wasn't okay. Now, that might seem a bit weird, but if you, if you think of times when you've seen something that doesn't feel and doesn't quite look okay, but nobody else is doing anything about it, and you look and you go, oh, well, it seems to be okay, because if it wasn't okay, somebody else would be doing something about it. And that's how social proofing works. So if you're sitting in a restaurant and it looks like perhaps somebody's being bullied, or it looks like there's a group of kids that are having a laugh and it's just going at a little bit OTT, and nobody else around is doing anything about it, there's loads of different options that go through your head. Like, other parents here, they'll step in, somebody else will step in, nobody stepped in, so it must be okay. And they also show clips of people walking on bridges, more interested in their phone or talking to other people whilst there's somebody standing on the other side of the bridge. Now, what happens is our brain doesn't often process the information that we see because it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that should be right. So if we see, if, for example, if you see somebody out of context, so if you work with somebody on a day-to-day basis and you see them in the office all the time, then you see them completely out of context on holiday, it takes you a little while to register. Hang on a sec, I know you, and well, what are you doing here? Because it's out of the norm. And that's all to do with social proofing as well. It's, it's again, it's recognising that. And not, I think we're very quick, and again, this is my personal opinion, but I think we're very quick to give everybody a hard time when we say, well, nobody cares anymore. And actually, people do care, because when you look at the instance, like the big terrorist instance that we have, or you look at um, somebody being attacked in the street and it's, it, and it's quite obvious that they're being attacked in the street, then other people do step in. And having worked as a police officer, I've seen that. I've seen the, I've seen the dark side of the world uh, and things that you would never want to see, but I've also seen the good side of the world and seen the good in people. So that's social proofing. Um, and it, it is a little trick if you want to have a bit of fun on the train or the aeroplane or... Um, when you're travelling along around how strong social proofing is and, and how it works, is when you know you're coming into the stop, just stand up, especially on the train, do this, stand up and start to put your coat on and get your bits and pieces together and see how many people around you will do the same. Even if you're like 10 minutes out from the stop, this is how sad I am and how I entertain myself in my life, but that's social proofing. Because people are like, oh, we must be coming into the station fairly soon. They look like they know what they're doing. It's like when you're at the airport and there's a delay, everybody will go to the same area to find out what's happening because that is social proofing. Or you'll wait to see what other people do because that's social proofing. And a lot of that stems as well from the way that we fear looking stupid in in front of other people. Um. We talked about people of influence, you know, about the royal family coming out and saying it's okay not to be okay. Uh, Gang-related crime, when you're brought up in in a a way that you're expected to join the gang and that is the norm, then again, that is social proofing. So social proofing is very, very strong and has a big effect on us far more than we realise on a day-to-day basis. And then we're going to talk about liking Now, I always find this fascinating because we like people who are like us uh, and that we can't help it. We like people that 
kind of agree with us sometimes. Uh, although it is good to be surrounded by people that don't agree with us, especially if we're in a managerial role because it keeps us on our toes and it makes us think out the box and it makes us think differently. And if we surrounded ourselves by us, then that would be uh, a little bit weird. Unless, of course, you're listening to this and thinking, that would be awesome. <laughs> I know that <laughs> lots of things would get done in a specific way. So, But we, we surround ourselves by people who are like us. If you look at your kids, I look at Meg and her closest friends. And you know, she's not a girly girl. And she has a specific interest in animals and she is surrounded and it's quite interesting because her three closest friends are kind of not like her but they are like her so if you look at your own life who are you surrounded by do they have the same moral compass as you the same values and beliefs and i'm going to suggest that they do if you have a strong value around honesty you are not going to surround yourself with dishonest people because it won't fit comfortably with you we like people who have the same sense of humor as I, I've just been talking to a, uh, a, a gentleman over this last week. I'm hoping to do some work with him in the future. But I immediately had a connection with him, just meeting him on Skype over a, a short period of time because we have the same interests. You know, we, we both are very passionate about caring for people and helping them and it being about the, the value of adding value to other people's lives. So you will surround yourselves and be connected to and attracted to people like you and that's around liking and 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 we can't help that and sometimes sometimes it doesn't work because actually we find that the person isn't like us but we like to feel comfortable in life and that's why we like people who are like us it's like it's it's why we vote for people in a particular way it's why we go and see people in a particular way. It's why we talk about people in a particular way, depending on on the whole liking. So if you are a salesperson, then being like the other person is going to help you with your sales. They do this in car sales all the time. You know, if you arrive with your car to part exchange and you've got a car seat in the back, and hey, guess what? The car salesman is probably going to have a child roughly the same age. Or if you arrive and you happen to have left your golf clubs in the boot of your car, then hey, guess what? The car salesman is going to have something in common with you around playing golf. Because it's about building rapport and building trust is how people sell. Because you're not going to buy from somebody that you don't have some sort of relationship with. And, and it's the same now. It's if you look at drug dealers they will sell a world to other people and they will they will come across as very charming and, and very kind and they'll help an individual out in the initial stages and then they'll manipulate them to and before you know what has happened you've been manipulated it's the same in domestic violence i would suggest that you enter into a relationship because the person is like you and then gradually they play on that and they start to manipulate you in a way that controls you, but it's because they were like you in the beginning that they were able to do that. So there's another two of Cialdini's laws of influence today, social proofing and liking, and you can overcome some of the barriers around liking. So I've done some training with personal trainers before, and one of them looked a lot younger and, you know, I'm a, a woman's approaching 50 now. So if I walk into a gym and the personal trainer is a lot younger than me, 
the first thing I'm going to think of is, well, what on earth are you going to tell me? What on earth have you got in common with me? Because you don't appear to have anything in common with me because of your age and your gender and and just the way you look to me. Which, of course, is all my own personal bias, and I get that. And on the flip side, as a negotiator, when I would turn up and speak to people as a middle-aged, white, middle-class woman, what on earth do I have in, in common with them? And I've spoken about a young girl in a tree before who was 16, and it's about breaking down those barriers to build a relationship because people like people that are like them, and they can see if that you can help them in some sort of way or that you have something in common so it's about building that commonality so going back to the personal trainer so one of the ways of doing that if you are younger or or, uh, not just in personal training but in any any role that you perform if you are young in the role and you have to go and speak to more experienced people then talk about your experience and talk about you can even have a a bit of a joke about it and go look i know i look about 12 uh, I try and do that even now at the age of 50. doesn't work anymore. <laughs> but, but use it to your advantage. But you've still got experience. And you can overcome those objections. In fact, I'll do a, I'm, I'll do a podcast on overcoming a, objections that people might have about you because you look in a certain way. So you can build that rapport and that relationship a lot quicker. Because it is about you know, you'll get you'll get that relationship and rapport a lot quicker if people have something in common with you and they like you. And so it, it, it's about being likable. It's about you think about the teachers that influenced you in your life. It was about being likable. If I talk if I think about when I was a teenager and the adults that influenced my life, it's because they were likable and I could relate to them and have a relationship with them. If I think about the mentors I had in my policing career, it was exactly the same. It's because I liked them and respected them. And so they were able to influence my career and my, you know, I would go to them for advice. So as a parent, are you liked by your kids? And I'm not thinking about getting down with the kids because it's about respect as well. It's about listening and working out what's going on. And, And when I talk about listening, I mean really listening, not from you as the parent point of view, but from you as a teenage point of view. And in fact, I'll do a podcast on that as well, about how how you can listen so that people feel that they are being heard and how you can speak so people feel that they should listen to you because that is a great skill and a great art in itself. So I'll leave you with that today. So that's social proofing and liking. Please come and uh, find me on my social media, which will I'll explain a little bit at the end of this podcast, how you can keep in contact with me. I'd love to hear your views and cover any subjects that you would like me to cover. And on that note here today, it's a glorious day in the UK. It would not be a podcast if I didn't talk about the weather briefly living in the UK, which always makes me laugh (laughs) because I even know that I'm doing it, but it's so lovely to see the sunshine. So I hope you have a great day, whatever you're doing, and I look forward to speaking to you soon. Take care now. Hey everybody, Nikki again. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast and thank you for joining me. You can find me on social media at Nikki Comms Coach at Twitter and The Communication Coach on Facebook and thecommunicationcoach.co.uk. Please like, share and review and I look forward to speaking to you soon.